We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 538 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023, and I have a loaded show for you when it comes to the Commanders, a pay-per-view caliber show when it comes to the Commanders. But lucky for you, this show is free, just like we are about to be free of the Danny. Uh, The NFL's annual league meeting which is taking place in Phoenix, Arizona, is wrapping up. But because the meeting has been happening in Phoenix, has been happening out west, we have been having things go down late in days, East Coast time. And we, late night on Tuesday night, and even early Wednesday morning, had more on the sale of the Commanders. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode each weekday with each episode out oh so early each morning. Uh, You with this show never have to worry about a time change or when the show is coming out or anything like that. We are here for you every weekday morning out oh so early each weekday morning. This is the show that wakes up with you. This is the show that follows D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. Uh, Next segment, the very latest on the sale of the Commanders and on the saga of our Commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, including multiple reports within the last few hours, major developments on Tuesday afternoon with reports of two fully funded offers of $6 billion for the Commanders, the potential participation of former Redskins quarterback Robert Griffin III in a purchase of the Commanders and very interesting comments from Dallas Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones, aka Jera, on Tuesday evening on the Mary Joe White investigation. Then we are going to spend a whole lot of time talking actual Commanders football. Imagine that. 
football conversation about a football team. Uh, Head coach Rod Rivera, the head coach in a coach-centric approach, the godfather of the team, the Don of the team. That's why we call him Don Ron. He on Tuesday morning spoke for 34 plus minutes in a session with reporters at the NFC Coaches Breakfast at the annual league meeting. Ron said a lot. Uh, uh, We on this show are going to focus on two big topics that Ron addressed. The team's quarterback situation and whether the team is going to exercise the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young. You will hear extensive and telling comments from Ron Rivera on both of these topics, including Ron openly promoting a quarterback competition of Sam Howell versus Jacoby Brissett, but also very much singing the praises of Sam Howell. Uh, Also, Ron will explain why he is positioning Sam to be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season. You will also hear Ron address the commanders potentially taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 NFL draft. And I, of course, will react to and discuss all that Ron had to say on these topics. Also on the show, the Wizards. Hey, go figure the Wizards. They're only Three wins for weeks had been wins over two terrible teams in the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs. Many of us, myself included, want our going nowhere Wizards to lose right now so as to boost their odds in the NBA draft lottery. And yet, what did the Wizards do on Tuesday night? They ripped the second best team in the NBA. A stunning, a shocking 131-11 route of the Boston Celtics at Capital One Arena, despite the Wizards being without Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, and Daniel Gafford. The damn Washington Wizards! Yes, exactly, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Hey, a good day for Maryland basketball on Tuesday. Word that Jameer Young is coming back for his final season of collegiate eligibility. He's not entering the NBA draft. He's not entering the NCAA transfer portal. He is coming back. It is impossible to keep track of all of the college basketball players entering the portal. Like Georgetown's entire team is in the portal. Uh, Another key Terrapins player, Hakeem Hart, he is in the portal. But Jameer Young is not. He is coming back. Great news. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Phil on something that I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 537. And that is what Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew on Monday afternoon in a session with reporters at the annual league meeting said about the team still being undecided on whether to exercise the fifth-year option in the rookie contract to Chase Young. Writes Phil, if the commanders publicly announce that they plan to exercise the option, don't they tank any trade value for Montez Sweat? Hard to see Sweat getting a contract extension if Young, Allen, and Payne all have big cap hits in 2024. The team would be telegraphing that Sweat is gone. Does it make sense for the team to commit to the option for Chase Young until after the draft? Before then, the team can shop for trades. Uh, Thank you for the email, Phil. Interesting theory. Certainly is possible. Uh, But a few things. First of all, right now, I would not be in a rush to trade Montez Sweat. Uh, Montez has been a very good player for Washington in two of the last three seasons, and even his 2021 season wasn't, like, terrible. Uh, Montez gets grouped with Chase Young as having had a bad 2021 season, but Montez's 2021 season ended up being, like, decent. Wasn't great, 
wasn't good enough, but was better than Chase's 2021 season was. Uh, Also, Montez has been a durable player. He, over his four NFL regular seasons, has played in 59 of a possible 66 games. Uh, He, in the 2021 regular season, played in just 10 games, but two of the seven games that he missed were due to a tragedy. Uh, The shooting death of his brother, Anthony Sweat, on December 28th, 2021. And the other five games that Montez missed were due to a fractured jaw uh, and then being on the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, Fractured jaw, of course, is a freak thing, not indicative of being injury prone. And uh, COVID is COVID. Uh, Chase Young, he has been in the NFL for three seasons, but he has only had one good season, and that was his most distant season, his rookie season, the 2020 season. Uh, Now, of course, a big reason for his last two seasons not having been good seasons is the torn right knee that he suffered in the 2021 season, and that torn right knee ended up being a lot worse than most people realize. But you tell me right now, who do you believe in more as an NFL edge defender? Chase Young or Montez Sweat? The answer to me is easy. Montez Sweat. So if I have to get rid of one of the commander's big four defensive linemen as they become more expensive, the guy who I am most open to getting rid of right now is Chase Young. But of course, you're probably not trading Chase this offseason, not with his value so low off the back-to-back disappointing slash injury-hampered seasons. The better play would be to have Chase for at least the start of the 2023 regular season, hope that he plays well, hope that he rehabs his stock, and then trade him if, in fact, you're wanting to trade him. The point with all of this is this. While it may be that the commander's expressing uncertainty about whether they're going to exercise the Chase Young fifth-year option is posturing in order to trade Montez Sweat, what I think is more likely is that this is the commanders trying to motivate Chase and or send a message to Chase. This messaging from the commanders reeks of the messaging from Ron Rivera to Chase in that 2021 season, during which Ron publicly called out Chase multiple times. For whatever reason, Ron feels the need to send public messages to Chase. And as I said on Tuesday's show, you gotta wonder why. Why does Ron feel this need to send these public messages to Chase? What's that about? What's the motivation for that? Uh, But I just have a very hard time believing that this deep into the offseason, the commanders still truly don't know whether they're going to exercise that fifth-year option in Chase's rookie contract. Uh, Email from John G. in Florida on my conversation with sports writer Liz Clark of the Washington Post on Tuesday's show, episode 537 on the sale of the Commanders and on the Dan Snyder saga. Writes John, just wanted to let you know that after two years in Florida and without one minute of regretting the move from the DMV, I am still a loyal listener and I never miss your podcast. So many things to like, but I was especially impressed with the Liz Clark interview. You had great rapport with her, and she was so knowledgeable and articulate. No fan (laughs) of the Washington Post am I, but she was a delight to listen to. I'm thinking that maybe in her retirement, she could become a regular guest, like the great Ambassador Gutman and so many other intelligent and passionate guests who I enjoy listening to on your show. Keep up the great work, Al. I continue to do what I can to support your sponsors, including just recently buying two pairs of Shady Rays. Best to you and your family. Well, thank you very much for that, John. Glad to hear that things are going well in the great state of Florida and glad to hear that you got yourself 
some Shady Rays. Hey, you need sunglasses if you live in Florida, right? Uh, go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses, just like my man John G. in Florida did. Uh, but yeah, Liz Clark was excellent, very informative, very detailed, and a great grasp of the material. You know, all of this stuff with the sale of the commanders and with the Dan Snyder situation, it can be complicated and confusing and tedious. And so what I try to do is bring people on who have great understanding of what's going on, who have, wait for it, great command of what's going on. Yes, uh, command. And people who can explain and articulate all of the minutiae of what's going on, because there is a lot of minutia, and Liz can do that. Uh, and so thank you again uh, to her for coming on. And uh, Liz Clark, very nice person too. Well, John G. in Florida mentioned a loyal listener of this podcast and a guest on this podcast, Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a graduate of Harvard Law School. Uh, Howard Gutman, very familiar with the work of a founding partner of the law firm of Paulson and Nace, the late great Barry Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace, it is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, uh, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, before we on this installment of the podcast, get to our in-depth commander's conversation about actual football off what head coach Rod Rivera said in his session with reporters on Tuesday morning at the NFL's annual league meeting, which is taking place at the Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona. Let us discuss the latest in the sale of the commanders and in the saga of commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder, for whom we on Tuesday afternoon had more signs will not be owner of the team for much longer. We on Tuesday afternoon had multiple reports of actual certified bids for the commanders. Multiple reports that the group being led by Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner, Josh Harris, has submitted a fully funded offer of $6 billion for the commanders and multiple reports 
that Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos has submitted a fully funded offer of $6 billion for the commanders. Uh, It has been reported that $6 billion is the asking price of Dan Snyder. Well, we now have two actual concrete offers of $6 billion. The record sale price for an NFL team is the Denver Broncos going for $4.65 billion. Uh, This to the Walton Penner Group in a sale that was finalized last August. Danny Boy now is guaranteed to get at least $6 billion for the commanders. Not bad. Now, sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports, he late night on Tuesday night reported that, quote, Harris's bid of nearly $6 billion is the only offer made so far that is backed with the financial resources needed to get through the NFL's vetting process. A source with knowledge of the process told Front Office Sports, Harris is the only bidder with a chance, the source said. And quote. Meantime, NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, he very early Wednesday morning came out with a report that began as follows. Quote, Dan Snyder will soon have $6 billion and a reputation worth $6. The Washington Commanders will soon be sold to a new owner and sources say Snyder could land on who he's picking within one to three weeks. Multiple sources tell CBS Sports there are as many as four bidders at this point for the team. Sources also say there's a mystery fourth bidder, but there are no further details on who it could be, end quote. And Jonathan Jones in this report had this, quote, everyone just wants this done. Snyder wants to sell. His fellow owners want him to sell. The league office wants him to sell. Commander's fans want new ownership. There's little reason to poke the bear at this point. Weeks from a resolution, end quote. As you are doing, whatever it is that you are doing right now, as you are listening to this, how about that? Weeks from resolution. And consider this, Team President Jason Wright to Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com on Tuesday, quote, if you don't see light at the end of the tunnel, you're not paying attention. We are very much close to a new phase and era. End quote. I mean, the team president came out and said that on Tuesday. If that's not telling that a resolution on the sale of the commanders and an end of the Dan Snyder era are coming, I don't know what does. Now, what we still do not know is how Amazon founder Jeff Bezos fits into all of this. Although Fox Business Network senior correspondent Charles Gasparino, uh, who is believed to have an in with Dan Snyder or at least a team, Danny, uh, Gasparino on Tuesday morning tweeted, quote, breaking from source inside the NFL owners meeting regarding the commander's sale. It was discussed, but briefly, that the process is progressing. As I previously reported, unlikely that sale will occur by meeting's end. Snyder is no longer opposed to a Jeff Bezos bid. End quote. The Bezos question now becomes an even bigger question. If these $6 billion bids are final bids, 
from Harris and Apostolopoulos, does Bezos, whose wealth far exceeds that of Harris and Apostolopoulos, come in with an offer that tops $6 billion? And if so, does Dan Snyder simply accept Jeff Bezos' offer if it is the highest offer? I mean, if Jeff truly wants to buy the commanders, and if Jeff truly is allowed to bid on the commanders, it would seem that he can easily top $6 billion, right? Jeff Bezos's worth per Forbes as of early Wednesday morning was $120.4 billion. Uh, meantime, with the Josh Harris group, so we know that both billionaire Mitchell Rails and NBA legend Magic Johnson are part of the group, but could former Redskins quarterback and current ESPN NFL and college football analyst Robert Griffin III soon be part of the Josh Harris group. Take a listen to this. RG3 on the Rich Eisen Show on Tuesday. You know, I've been having some really great conversations uh, with this group um, led by Josh Harris and and having an opportunity to come in uh, on that ownership group. Mm. So, I'm I'm like head over heels excited about that process. Um, you know, to to be a player for that team, to not have my career go the way that I wanted it to or the fans wanted it to um, in that city uh, would be a full circle type of moment to come back and, and try to help uh, that team and that organization build the winner that the fans deserve. So that's something I'm really excited about. You know, it's nothing I can announce at this point. Sure. But it's, uh, it's, it's the conversations are happening and, and I'm, I'm really, really excited about the potential there. Um, and, and at the end of the day, the fans will, they will throw a parade when Dan Snyder. <laughs> the they will I- throw a parade, Rich. Uh, yes, we will. But how do you like that? Robert Griffin III, RG3. Conversations are happening. Conversations about him joining Josh Harris's group to buy the commanders. RG3 <laughs> as a commander's owner, however limited, uh, would be something. Would RG3 as commander's owner grow too close to a commander's quarterback the way that Dan Snyder grew too close to Robert? That would be something. But, you know, especially if you are a younger fan of the team, RG3 still is viewed as a big-time star, despite all of the ugliness and all of the disappointment of his tenure as a quarterback for the Skins. Uh, There are a lot of people who remember his great 2020 rookie season, and it was a fantastic 2012 rookie season, uh, very fondly, especially younger fans for whom that 2012 season is their greatest memory as fans of the team. So as wild as it sounds and as much of a punchline as RG3 has become, I could see there being value for the Josh Harris group in having RG3 as a minority shareholder of the team. But gee, RG3, part owner of the Commanders, like who could have ever predicted that? Uh, Speaking of NFL owners, Dallas Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones, he on Tuesday evening again spoke with reporters at the annual league meeting. Hey, Jerry just can't help himself, okay? Take a listen to this exchange with reporters. Mary Jo White investigation still going on. Are you still are you in favor of them releasing the report despite if Dan Snyder is the owner or not? Uh, yes. 
Why? Why? Uh, because I know everything in the report. All right. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, I love how Jerry Jones' session with reporters got shut down like that. But Jerry, Jera, quote, I know everything in the report, end quote. Jerry Jones said that he knows everything in the Mary Jo White report, even though A, the report has not yet been released, B, the reporting has been that the Mary Jo White investigation isn't complete, and C, the reporting has been that Mary Jo White has yet to interview Dan Snyder, who had been refusing to be interviewed by her. That's quite the achievement by Jerry to know everything in the report. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, he did a press conference on Tuesday evening at the annual league meeting. Take a listen to this exchange with sports director Darren Haynes of WUSA 9. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones says that he agrees to release the report because, quote, he knows everything in the report. Do you know why he would say that? Well, that would be impossible since the only person I know of that knows anything about the investigation is Mary Jo White and her counterparts. So, All right. Well, Jerry Jones apparently has pulled off the impossible. Uh, I don't know if Jera was lying or if uh, Jerry was misinformed or if Jerry was telling the truth. But if he was telling the truth, the obvious concern becomes the legitimacy of this Mary Jo White investigation, which, yeah, is taking forever. The investigation was announced in February 2022. It's about to be April 2023. And the investigation, as best as we can tell, still isn't complete. Uh, Goodell on Tuesday evening did multiple times reaffirm that the NFL has, quote, committed to releasing the findings, end quote, of the Mary Jo White report. And we'll stick with that no matter a sale of the commanders. So, so much to take in with the sale of the commanders in the Dan Snyder saga. But the bottom line is this, a resolution to the sale does appear to be coming. Can't come soon enough but does appear to be coming. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, a big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast 
via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, a subscription to the pod costs you nothing, and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. You can pass judgment on this podcast. Uh, five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review uh, saying that you like the podcast. The review can be just a sentence or two, can be more, but doesn't have to be. And uh, thank you very much for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. So an NFL head coach over the course of training camp, the preseason, and the regular season does a lot of press conferences. And we chronicle so many press conferences uh, on this podcast. But an NFL head coach in the offseason only does a limited number of press conferences, especially before the start of OTA and minicamp practices. And so off-season press conferences for NFL head coaches, especially those press conferences in January, February, March, and April, are precious. They are special. Uh, We, on Tuesday morning, got what almost certainly will prove to be the lengthiest press conference for Commander's head coach Rod Rivera this off-season. He, on Tuesday morning, spoke to reporters for 34-plus minutes. Uh, This at the annual NFC Coaches Breakfast at the NFL's annual league meeting, which is taking place at the Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Rod on Tuesday morning said a lot about a lot. When it came to the sale of the commanders, he didn't say much, although he did give off a tell that we are approaching the end of the process. And the news that came out later in the day of two $6 billion bids for the commanders suggests that we are approaching the end of the process. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the potential for contract extensions this offseason for edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl. Take a listen to how Ron answered this question. Well, I I will say, you know, early on I talked about having meetings and everything like that. We we touch on all these different topics, all these different things, and now we're just we're just got to kind of slow it down a little bit. All right, quote, we touched on all these different topics, all these different things, and now we just got to kind of slow it down a little bit, end quote. I interpreted that as, hey, earlier in the offseason, we were able to do some things, you know, hire Eric Bieniemy as assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, franchise tag, interior defensive lineman Deron Payne, and then sign him to a big money contract extension, uh, sign some unrestricted free agents. But now we got to slow down a bit. We got to slow our roll because the sale of the team is coming and ownership change is coming. That's how I interpreted uh, what Ron Rivera said right there. When it comes to the commander's quarterback situation, uh, how much interpreting that we need to do uh, is tricky. The messaging has been clear. Uh, Sam Howell is being positioned to be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season, but he will have to compete for that starting quarterback job. And we know that the competition will come from Jacoby Brissett, who the commanders on March 16th officially signed as an unrestricted free agent, a one-year $8 million contract with $7.5 million fully guaranteed. However, when we hear competition, uh, well, what exactly does that mean? Ron Rivera, in the lead-up to each of his first two seasons as Washington head coach, preached quarterback competition that never really happened. Uh, 2020, Dwayne Haskins versus Kyle Allen. 2021, Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Taylor Heineke. Neither Kyle Allen in the lead up 
to the 2020 season, nor Taylor Heineke in the lead-up to the 2021 season was in a true quarterback competition. Dwayne Haskins was the QB1 for the 2020 season. Fitzmagic was the QB1 for the 2021 season. So is the quarterback competition that Ron Rivera is touting this offseason, Sam Howell versus Jacoby Brissett, going to be a true, legitimate, good-faith quarterback competition? Or is this idea of a quarterback competition uh, just a way of making it look like Ron isn't handing Sam Howell the starting quarterback job when, in fact, Ron is handing Sam the starting quarterback job. Uh, I am excited about and intrigued by Sam Howell, but I do not want him simply being handed the starting quarterback job. Uh, this was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the Commander's Quarterback Competition. I think it's open right now. I really do. I mean, again, all I said was Sam's going to get the first crack. I didn't say Sam was the guy. He's going to have to come in and earn it. And if Jacoby comes through and earns it, I'll play Jacoby. I'm going to play the guy that we, we believe at the end of the day gives us the best chance to win football games. All right. So how about that from Ron Rivera? Uh, Ron on the commander's quarterback competition, quote, I think it's open right now. I really do. Again, all I said was Sam's going to get the first crack. I didn't say Sam was the guy. He's going to have to come in and earn it. And if Jacoby comes through and he earns it, I'll play Jacoby. I'm going to play the guy that we believe at the end of the day gives us the best chance to win football games. End quote. Well, 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 uh, that sounds like a true, legitimate, good faith quarterback competition. The proof, of course, will be in the execution of the competition. Uh, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, does each guy in offseason and training camp practices get significant first-team reps? Does each guy in the preseason get significant time with the first-team offense, to whatever extent the first-team offense uh, gets significant time in the preseason? Uh, We shall see. But note, the words of Ron Rivera in his session with reporters on Tuesday morning at the NFL's annual league meeting were the words of a quarterback competition. Quote, I think it's open right now. I really do. Again, all I said was Sam's going to get the first crack. I didn't say Sam was the guy. He's going to have to come in and earn it. And if Jacoby comes through and he earns it, I'll play Jacoby. End quote. Uh, At issue, of course, is that our guy, our pal, Ron Rivera, Don Ron, uh, he has been known to change his mind or at least change his public tune on things a time or two or ten during his time as Washington head coach. Heck, Sam Howell is an example of this. Uh, Ron Rivera for months spoke of Sam as having a developmental season in his 2022 rookie season. The idea was that Sam in his rookie season was to not play in regular season games and learn and work on his craft. Uh, Sam Howell was never acknowledged by Ron Rivera as a viable starting quarterback option, even when the commander's offense was struggling during the 2022 regular season. Uh, The idea throughout that time, right, was Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz as the commander's starting quarterback. And as is well known by now, Ron, for what ended up being Sam's NFL regular season debut, the 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field at Week 18, initially didn't even want to start Sam. Uh, Ron was going to start Taylor and then go to Sam out of fear that Sam wasn't ready for a start. Uh, But Taylor told Ron to start Sam. Ron ended up starting Sam, and Sam in that game played well. That game was on Sunday, January 8th 
We then just six days after that game, Saturday morning, January 14th. I remember this clearly. I was at a ninja class for my five-year-old son, okay? And while I was at the ninja class, I saw on my phone the breaking news. Multiple reports that Sam Howell was being positioned to be the Commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. The story was broken by NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, who in a piece wrote, quote, the Washington Commanders are in search of a new offensive coordinator in the days following the firing of Scott Turner. And according to sources, the Commanders are letting potential candidates know who their likely starting quarterback in 2023 will be. Sam Howell, who started and won the 17th game of the season for Washington, is expected to be QB1 when the Commanders begin offseason work in the new league year. End quote. This entire Sam Howell scenario has represented maybe the biggest 180 of all by Ron Rivera during his time as Washington head coach. Here was Ron on Tuesday morning on what he saw from Sam Howell that made Ron believe that Sam was ready to be positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. I think there is a, a certain point near the end of the season. Last year, we started seeing some real positive signs that really showed you he was very confident, very comfortable to begin with. But knowing what we did, um, you really started to see that because, you know, when he was the number two guy, he got reps. And a couple times, some things happened in practice where you, see, you, you would see him fix it himself. And that was always something you look for. Um, you know, that if there's something else that's not right, that a quarterback will fix it. He was doing things like that probably mid to end of the season. So we felt really comfortable about it. Him getting his opportunity in the Dallas game and, again, doing some things in the game, and they would sit there and say, oh, well, he fixed that. He corrected that. He, 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 he may have done something a little different, but that was because he saw something different. Some of the decisions he made were decisions that you would experience, you would expect a more experienced guy to make. And so we that's that's part of the reason when we came out of this, um, I felt comfortable, you know, saying this guy's gonna get his he'll be the first guy to get the chance. All right. All of that sounds great, but again, Ron Rivera initially didn't even feel comfortable starting Sam Howell at quarterback in week eighteen of this past season. You know, one of two things happened here. Ron was so impressed by Sam in week 18 that Ron realized that he had been wrong about Sam and needed to get more serious about Sam potentially being the commander's answer at quarterback. Or this whole Sam Howell thing has been Ron Rivera trying to build hope and re-energize the fan base and change the conversation uh, off yet another season of subpar quarterbacking and bad offense for Washington with Ron as head coach. Uh, more from Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the growth that he saw from Sam Howell during the 2022 season. I think there was a point where the light did click, but the gradual process of just the more he, he practiced, the more maturing he did. And we really didn't get that opportunity until after the Bears game, you know, when we put Carson on IR. And now Sam got to be more integrated in, in, in the practices in terms of game planning and preparation. Yeah, and that is another odd twist in this Sam Howell scenario. Ron Rivera initially didn't even feel comfortable starting Sam at quarterback in week 18 of this past season, and yet Ron for weeks had Sam as the commander's QB2, meaning that Sam was a snap away from being the commander's quarterback in a regular season game. Don't forget, Carson Wentz was on the reserve injured list from October 22nd to December 12th 
due to that uh, fractured right ring finger uh, that he suffered in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football on October 13th. So for nearly two months, Sam Howell was the commander's QB2. For nearly two months, Sam was a snap away from being the commander's quarterback in a regular season game as the team was in the midst of a playoff push. And yet, Ron Rivera initially didn't even feel comfortable starting Sam Howell at quarterback in week 18. The whole thing really is odd when you sit back and look at it. Uh, Here was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on why he is positioning Sam Howell to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Well, I think in seeing his development and his growth and also for what we want to do. I mean, we're in position right now that we can sign guys because of the quarterback situation. Um, you know, we, we have you know Jacoby with his contract, and now we got Sam on a rookie's contract. So, you know, we, we have um, a moderate hit from that position, and which allows us to do some of the things that we did. We were fortunate we were able to work with um, with Duran and, and, and his agent and, and get him a, a contract that was friendly for us. It helps us out. You know, with, with, with Duran's contract, it's one of those things that you're looking back at the things that we've done and the way we did the contract. Uh, same thing for all the other ones that we worked on. You know, we did the main thing with the payouts. That's something that, that you know, we did. We've done, in, we've done since I've been here. We did some of that in, in Carolina. Um, it's just part of it. And, and we do those things, you know, because, again, it's, it's friendly for us and gives us an opportunity to, to continue, continue to do what we've done. Uh, real good opportunity this year to roster build, to bring people in um, and put them in position. And a lot of it has to do with the quarterback um, number uh, between so, you know, the guys that we have right now. So a few things from that cut. Uh, Ron Rivera did confirm what Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic had in a piece that came out two Sundays ago, March 19th, that the Commanders are delaying signing bonus payouts for new contracts more than normal. Uh, For instance, the contract extension for Deron Payne, uh, that was signed on March 13th, but it is to have its first payment by May 12th, as opposed to the usual 15 to 30 days after the signing of the contract. Uh, That certainly would seem to be a sign that a sale of the commanders is coming, because if you are selling the team, why make bonus payments that you can delay and have the next owner of the team pay instead of you? Uh, Also, Ron hit on something that I, on this podcast, have hit on. The absolute bargain that the commanders would have in Sam Howell if, and I stress that word, if he is a good NFL quarterback. Uh, Your remaining salary cap hits in the contract of Sam Howell as a player who was taken by the commanders in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. 2023, a cap hit of $960,400. 2024, a cap hit of $1.075 million. 2025, a cap hit of $1.19 million. But Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning did say that the top reason for positioning Sam to be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season is not his contract. More from Ron. The main reason we're going with Sam because we think Sam's going to be a good football player. We really do. You know, it's one of those things that I've talked to a couple of entities that typically do these write-ups about court, uh, about the, the draft. And when you go to them and you ask them, hey, can you tell me what did you guys have on Sam if he had come out in 2021? Okay. I had a number of them tell me that they had first-round grades on them. Okay, go back and ask to call them. And it's, uh, you know, uh, the people at Pro Football Focus. I did a thing for them at the Super Bowl. 
while I'm doing the interview, hey, wait a minute, can you guys tell me what you guys had on sand? And right off the bat, they told me we had first, second round grade on them. So that's one of the plus, pluses and positive. If the guy had come out, he'd have been a first or second round pick. We were fortunate he fell to the fifth round because people didn't think it was a strong class. You know, remember, he was the front runner for, this, for the Heisman that year. And, you know, coming out of a season where he lost three offensive linemen to the draft, the tight end to the draft, wide receiver, Deami, to the draft, and two running backs. That's seven primary players off of an offense that was very dynamic and explosive. Go back and research that and see those things, and you'll see what we've seen. And, and I really do believe that. So I don't think this is as much a, a, a wild shot as people think it is. Um, and, again, part of it is because you watch a young man like Brock Purdy have the season that he had last year, and you would like to think, wow, we have a guy that's got the same type of ability and skill set. All right, Ron Rivera right there, uh, sounding like me (laughs) in making the case for Sam Howell. Ron referencing pro football focus. Ron indicating that what happened with the quarterbacks in the 2022 draft was overly punitive. Uh, Ron noting how the NFL still so often is wrong on quarterbacks in NFL drafts. See the man who was the very last pick in the 2022 draft. San Francisco 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. All of those items are things that I've talked about on this podcast. Hey, is Ron Rivera a listener of this podcast? Ron, are you listening right now? Uh, Well, you know where I stand on what Ron said in that cut that I just played for you. I agree with Ron, but, and this is important, I absolutely recognize the substantial odds working against Sam Howell being a good NFL quarterback. The overwhelming majority of non-first-round quarterbacks do not become good NFL quarterbacks. Uh, We are familiar with the non-first-round quarterbacks who have become good NFL quarterbacks. But, you know, for every one Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson or Derek Carr or Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts, there are so many more quarterbacks taken on day twos and day threes of NFL drafts who are long forgotten. What I have clung to is that Sam Howell isn't your normal non-first round quarterback because Sam in the 2021 offseason was viewed as the potential number one overall pick in the 2022 draft. And most non-first round quarterbacks were never viewed as potential number one overall picks in the drafts in which those quarterbacks were taken. But yeah, I mean, Sam Howell still is a non-first-round quarterback, and the historical odds working against him are substantial. I just would not group him with your normal non-first-round quarterbacks. Uh, While we're talking taking quarterbacks in NFL drafts, uh, what about the Commanders taking a quarterback with their number 16 overall pick in the 2023 draft? Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the quarterbacks in the 2023 draft. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange. I I haven't gotten to the quarterbacks yet, okay? I've started a different couple of positions. I'm working my way in that direction. Um, and for the moment, well, I'm almost through too for the most part, but I, I, I haven't, that's one of the last positions I will do. Well, I'll look at the positions that I like. <laughs> that was a good one, actually. <laughs> 
Okay, well, you would think that uh, if Ron Rivera was seriously open to taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 draft, that he might have evaluated the quarterbacks by now. I mean, the first round of the draft is now less than a month away, uh, April 27th. However, Ron on Tuesday morning was asked if he was ruling out taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 draft, and this was his answer. No. No, we, we, have to, we have to look at every avenue and look at every opportunity. And if the right guy's there, you know, again, we, I, I think we've put ourselves, I, don't think, I, I believe we've put ourselves in position where we can sit here and say, this is where we want to be. We want to be able to make the decision on the best player for us, you know, the best player available. I mean, that's it, kind of twofold because the best player for us could be a different position, but the best player available may be that position. So we'll see. Okay, Rod Rivera not ruling out taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 draft. I was happy to hear that. I do think that the commanders should be open to taking a quarterback in the first round of the 2023 draft. Although, we later in Ron's session with reporters had this exchange with Ben Standig. Okay, I didn't say we would draft one or possibly draft one. I said we'll consider it. Okay, all right. Now go ahead. Maybe later. You, you never know. Oh, it is. It is a priority to have a third quarterback. You know, and 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 we have our third quarterback already. He's on the roster from last year. Um, and Jake Fromm's a, a heck of a football player. Very smart. Very bright guy. But again, we're going to evaluate. We're going through the process. Like I said, I haven't done my quarterbacks yet. I'm, I'm, I got time. You know, I got two and a half weeks before I need to have all that done, which I will have it all done. I'm, 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 I progress. I'm past halfway, so uh, that's a good thing for us. Yeah, I mean, chances are that all four of the perceived top four quarterbacks in the 2023 draft will be gone by the Commanders' number 16 overall pick. But you never know, and I do think that it's possible that Kentucky's Will Levis falls to 16. And, you know, there are quarterbacks beyond the perceived top four quarterbacks in this 2023 draft. What about, say, Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, uh, the Virginia Tech transfer, right? Uh, By the way, did you see what ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on Tuesday morning in a mock draft had? He had Hendon Hooker being taken by the Seattle Seahawks with the number five overall pick. That would be shocking. But Mike believes that Hooker is underscouted right now. Uh, what does Rod Rivera think? I don't know. Hopefully he'll get around to evaluating Hendon Hooker soon, uh, if in fact Ron has yet uh, to evaluate Hooker. Uh, and one more for you from Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning on the commander's quarterback situation. Uh, the commander's newest quarterback, uh, Ron on Tuesday morning on Jacoby Brissett. Well, a couple things about Jacoby. First of all, you know, when you, you target guys, you, you want to do background and kind of see where, how people feel about him, um, see if there's any issues or anything. And the biggest thing we kept hearing was, man, he was great to be around young quarterbacks. Um, you know, and, and then the next thing you hear is, guy, he's, he, he, he learns very quickly. He's very bright, very smart guy. Um, he knows a lot of football. He picks, you know, so you hear the positive things, and, and that really fit into what we were looking for. Um, so, again, you get past that part of it, and then you start to see a guy that has good athletic skills, um, got good quarterback skills, got a good arm. He's got some quick twitch to him, makes good decisions for the most part, uh, and he's athletic. And so this is a guy that we thought we can, we can bring in. He's going to compete. He's going to he's going to push Sam. Sam's going to push him. And, and I really think we're going we're we'll have a really good room because of guys like that. 
a lot of praise for Jacoby Brissett right there. No surprise, a lot of people have had a lot of nice things to say about him, and apparently he will be part of a legitimate commander's quarterback competition. Well, what stood out the most from Commander's head coach Ron Rivera's session with reporters on Tuesday morning at the NFL's annual league meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, was all that Ron said about the team's quarterback situation. But there was a lot more that Ron said that stood out, including what he had to say about the Commanders exercising the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young. I, on Tuesday's show, episode 537, talked about the Chase Young fifth-year option situation of what Commander's general manager Martin Mayhew on Monday afternoon in his session with reporters at the annual league meeting said about the team still being undecided on Chase Young's fifth-year option. I, in the opening segment of this show, talked about the Chase Young fifth-year option situation as well. The commanders publicly expressing uncertainty about the Chase Young fifth-year option really got going on February 9th uh, when Ron Rivera spoke with various media outlets. Here was Ron on Tuesday morning on the Commanders, at least publicly, being undecided about exercising the fifth-year option in Chase Young's rookie contract. I think the biggest thing more than anything else is we're continuing to finish that process. You know, and, and I mean, we're really, Matt, we really are. I mean, it's one of those things that you've got to really think it through. You've got to be able to plan it out. Um, and with the uh, situation we're in right now, waiting on like everybody else to find out, you know, ownership, we, you know, we, we got to kind of drag our feet a little bit until we get to that point and find out, you know, do we have to find out from whoever the new ownership? But to be honest, if there's a new owner, we have to go to them and find out. You know, what I'm saying it's so. I don't know at this point, um, but I know we are still talking about it um, between Martin, Marty, uh, Eric, uh, uh, Rob Rogers, and myself. We've talked. We've had a couple of conversations. Uh, we like what we're seeing. His progress has gone very, very well. Uh, it continues to, to work out and, and just get stronger, and, and there's some real positive signs right now. Very interesting that Rod Rivera right there put at least some of this indecision on the exercising of the Chase Young fifth-year option on the ownership uncertainty. Hey, these days, when in doubt, blame the commander's ownership uncertainty. Uh, that, to me, seemed like an excuse. As I have said, I have a really hard time believing that the team, two and a half months into its offseason, still doesn't know if it's going to do something as significant as exercise the Chase Young fifth year option. Like, come on. And Ron on Tuesday morning, (laughs) using the ownership uncertainty as an excuse, seemed to be Ron uh, just saying something to try to veil what I think is going on here. Some messaging from Ron to Chase. Here was Ron on Tuesday morning on what exactly the significance of new ownership is for the exercising of the Chase Young fifth year option. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange. I think because the big part of it too is is we don't know what the new ownership wants, and so that would you know that who knows what that process may be when we get close to, to the May second deadline. So we have to kind of wait a little bit until then, or at least close to it before we can do something. Do you expect new ownership by May? 2nd? I'm I have no idea what to expect. I really don't. 
Um, you know, I, I know that ownership, our current ownership, is, is doing their work on what they need to get done and trying to create the best situation for them and, and, and for the organization. So I understand that. I respect that. That's why we just have to kind of wait and go through it and try and make sure we're doing it the right way. Okay, what Ron Rivera said right there isn't completely implausible, uh, but, you know, it could be that new ownership of the commanders will not be in place by the deadline by which the team needs to exercise the Chase Young fifth-year option. Uh, That deadline is May 1st. You know, Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning did get asked about this idea that uh, the dangling of the Chase Young fifth-year option is for messaging purposes or motivational purposes. Uh, Here was Ron's answer. No, with Chase, it's just it's 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 really all about the health more than anything else. I mean, again, one of the real positives he went he saw he saw Dr. Andrews. Dr. Andrews gave him a, a bill of clean health, very positive. Now for us, it's just okay. Let's let's go through this. Let's see how he continues, and then we'll see we'll see, and we'll continue to discuss it. Yeah, and the badly torn knee that Chase Young suffered in November 2021, of course, is a big factor in whether to exercise his fifth-year option. The option is for $17.452 million for the 2024 season. Chase Young in the 2022 regular season played in just three games. Uh, Remember, he did not make his season debut until the loss at the San Francisco 49ers on Christmas Eve, uh, although he did play well in that game, and then he actually played pretty well in the next game. Uh, The loss to the Cleveland Browns at FedEx Field on New Year's Day. Chase in the loss at the Niners was the highest graded commanders player per pro football focus, an overall grade of 87.4. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. And Chase in the loss to the Browns was the commanders' second highest graded player per PFF, overall grade of 73.8. But Chase has not had an overall good NFL season since his 2020 rookie season. And what should have been a slam dunk when the team took him with the number two overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Exercising his fifth-year option continues to be publicly and openly talked about by the team itself as being up in the air. And as I have been saying, you've got to wonder why. That the team isn't keeping this uncertainty private. To whatever extent, the team actually is uncertain and is so willing to express the uncertainty publicly, uh, those things are telling. Well, leave it to our wizards to lose when you want them to win, and to win when you want them to lose. Uh, The wizards were in the midst of a perfectly fine tank job down the stretch of their regular season. They, on Tuesday night, again, did not play multiple key players. And yet, the Wizards on Tuesday night didn't just win a game. The Wizards on Tuesday night blew out the second best team in the NBA. The Wizards improved to 34-42 and with a 131-11 win over the Boston Celtics at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. Uh, This win was just the Wizards' third win in 11 games, and the win came over the Celtics, who are not just the second-best team in the Eastern Conference, but are the second-best team in the NBA. Uh, The Wizards at 34-42 and are 11th in the Eastern Conference, two and a half games 
behind the Chicago Bulls for 10th in the East. Seeds 7 through 10 in each conference make its play-in tournament for the NBA playoffs. The Wizards have just six regular season games left, but the Wiz still are in play-in tournament contention as much as I, (laughs) and I know many of you do not want them to be. Uh, The Wizards on Tuesday night again were without three starters, although the who uh, was a bit different. Bradley Beal did not play for a fourth consecutive game due to left knee soreness. Kyle Kuzma did not play for a fifth consecutive game due to a sprained right ankle. And Daniel Gafford did not play due to left foot soreness. But Monte Morris was back. He returned from a one-game absence caused by left groin soreness. He, in 28 minutes, 30 seconds as a starter, went just one of six on threes, but also eight of nine on twos. He finished with 19 points, nine assists versus no turnovers three rebounds, and two blocks. Yeah, the Wizards offense on Tuesday night, really good. The Wizards scored 130 points, went 13 of 37 on threes, and a scorching 41 of 62 on twos, and finished with 33 assists versus 11 turnovers. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night. You know, once again, it was about us that, you know, we felt that, you look across the, the, the room and it felt sometimes like it's a away game. <laughs> and I don't know, I think I got, I got our guys going a little bit. They um, played with a chip on their shoulders and it was good. You know, we've had issues with this team. And the fact that we could play as well as we did, play through the level of physicality, play through the switching, um, you know, a number of areas that have given us problems at times and, and have success. So uh, it was a good night. Uh, well, it was a good night if you wanted the Wizards to win. Uh, it certainly was a good night for Chris Dabbs Porzingis. He has had a very nice season for the Wizards. Uh, Porzingis on Tuesday night, 33 minutes, 58 seconds as a starter. He went 3 of 5 on threes, 11 of 16 on twos, and 101 on free throws. He finished with 32 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists versus no turnovers, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 26. Excellent game for Chris Dapps, Porzingis, and two Wizards first-round picks again played well. Talking about Denny Avdia and Corey Kispert. Uh, Denny, who the Wizards took with the number nine pick in the 2020 NBA draft. He on Tuesday night, 36 minutes, 31 seconds as a starter, two of five on threes, eight of 11 on twos. He finished with 25 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists. Now, he did commit four turnovers, did go just three of five on free throws, but Denny is in a nice groove right now. This was Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on Denny Avdia. You know, I think he's now strong four really good games together. And it's the pace, the, the thrust that he's playing downhill, hitting the level of aggression. Um, he doesn't get sidetracked after a you know, bad possession or you know maybe a, a missed shot. He just keeps playing. Um, I like the fact that he's playing downhill more. Um, you know, he's, he's been good all year in pick and rolls, but just in transition, I think is an added development for him. Yeah, also Corey Kispert, who the Wizards took with the number 15 pick in the 2021 NBA draft. He on Tuesday night, 33 minutes, 11 seconds as a starter, three of six on threes, two of five on twos, two of two on free throws. He finished with 15 points and two assists versus no turnovers. Corey Kispert over his last three games, 14 of 26 on threes. Next up for the Wizards, home to the third worst team in the Eastern Conference, the Orlando Magic, Friday night at seven. And that will do it 
for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 539. We'll feature plenty on the commanders as the NFL's annual league meeting will be complete. Also, we'll talk nationals and Orioles as Thursday is opening day for the 2023 MLB regular season. And I'll discuss the Capitals. The Caps are home to the Eastern Conference wildcard leading New York Islanders Wednesday night at 7.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Wednesday, and they'll talk to you on Thursday. Mary Jo White investigation still going on. Are you st- are you in favor of them releasing the report despite if Dan Snyder is the owner or not? Uh, yes. Why? Why? Uh, because I know everything in the report. All right. Okay. Thanks, everybody.